The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. We're excited about Easter. We're excited about uh, what God's going to do. The simple answer to Easter is this. We celebrate what Jesus did in that miraculous exit from the grave. There was an exit from the grave that changed everything. It changed everything for us. And when Jesus in that moment proved that he was greater, greater than pain, greater than death, greater than the enemy's plan, this exit from the grave changed the world. And it wasn't just a minor moment. It wasn't just a major moment, but it was a moment that changed everything for everyone. You know, I feel like where we are in the part of the sermon is, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie where in the first 10 minutes they show you the ending and then they spend the next 40 or 50 minutes doing the backtrack to get you up to speed. Well, we won't be here that long, but I do want to go back a little bit. I want us to talk a little bit because my assignment today is Jesus is greater and, and, and as we begin to talk about this idea of Jesus is greater, I want to show you even in Scripture for many voices that Jesus was in fact greater than anything else that, that, that we know, any person that we know, anything that, 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 that I mean, then there's been a lot of great things. Come on. There, it was great that uh, the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl. It was great that... Um, that Arkansas actually won uh, a game in the, in the NCAA tournament. There's been a lot of great things in our life, but this by far supersedes them all. Here, let's pray. God, we thank you for what you're going to do here today. We thank you that you are here in the midst of us, and we cannot wait to see what you're going to do today. There's something about an introduction uh, when we introduce people, I, know, I don't know if uh, many of you do social media. I'm sure that you do, but I'm sure there may be a few holdouts that I'm not going to do any social media. But I remember back in the day, come on, Zanga, MySpace, you know, let, let's, let's talk about where we used to live. And it is so funny how the um, introductions have changed. You know, before it was like MySpace and they had all these categories they wanted you to fill out about yourself and your interests. Now on Twitter, it's like five words. Father, son, employer, Christ follower. And it's like, it's like that. It's like it. It's like as simple as it can be. And, and when we start talking about an introduction, it's funny how titles are really important to all of us. Now I'm old school and so... I realize that we do FaceTime. I love FaceTime. I, I, I mean, I, I like when I'm traveling and I get to see my kids. But, but really, I, I'm not a FaceTime. If I would rather be face-to-face and spend some time than to do FaceTime on, on a screen. Because it's, it's weird because there is FaceTime etiquette. And you may not know that. I'm going to bring it to you, you know, just kind of help you in this new generation. But a lot of times people will be distracted and they don't know how to hold the phone. And so you're looking at the ground. You're looking at other things. They're like, hold on, I'll be right back. And I'm like, we're FaceTiming. You can't leave when we're FaceTiming. This is like rule number one. You, you fit in the, your head in the box. And then some people, I don't know if you've ever FaceTimed them, but they don't know that you can't see them. And so they're talking to you and you see their forehead <laughs> and their eyebrow. And it's like, okay, I'm, 
It's called FaceTime, not forehead time. And it's like, dang, <laughs> you're like you're counting wrinkles. <laughs> it's like, bring it down a little bit. And, and it's funny because as we begin uh, this introduction of, of a little bit about Jesus, um, Jesus had incredible titles. And, and I think that it's important for us to get face to face with who Jesus really is. I have titles myself. If you were to ask a little bit about who I was, I'm, I, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, I'm a friend, I'm a servant, I'm a son, I'm a student, I'm a leader. There are things that, that you are naturally that give a little insight into who you are and who your purpose is. And the Bible talks about Jesus and gives Jesus an introduction. And I, I think one of the best introductions is when John the Baptist sees Jesus. And, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about what he says and how he says it. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says this. And the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away, come on somebody, the sin of of the world. That's a big title. That, that's, 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 that's something that, you know, you, that's a little long to put on your door, but that, that, that's a pretty good title. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the whole world, every person, not just the people who live in this country or this country, but for the whole world, here is the Lamb who comes to take away sin. Now, I, I know that this this sentence may kind of throw you for a loop. In fact, we have uh, this sentence. I kind of put it to uh, just a little bit of an image. Go ahead and show them that, that image there. This is kind of how we see it. Look, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Now, I realize that you probably don't have a bunch of lambs hanging around your house. Maybe in the apartment complex, you know, the, in the third room, you have a couple lambs, maybe some goats, you know. But for us, we have to go to Gentry um, to see the animals because we just don't have any. And maybe, maybe it's kind of in the POA or in the th contract that we signed when we bought the house, but really it's just you can't have lambs. There's no farming in the subdivision that we're at. And so when you think a little bit about lambs, you may be like, huh, that's a funny description. That's a, look the Lamb of God. I, I, don't, I don't really know a lot about lambs, but I think that uh, it's funny when we were picking schools for our kids to go to, one of the things that I picked on is mascots. I really, I, my wife obviously did all the, the, the reading about the schools and she did found their, their ratings and their stars and all that. I just didn't want my kid to be the fighting gerbil. I, 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 I was pretty, I was like, I don't know if I can put that on my car. I don't know if I can lean into that. I don't know if I can get a fighting gerbil you know, a, a, a sweater, and so we kind of looked at a few, and and we landed on Pea Ridge, and it was the Blackhawks, and I thought, okay, if something, we're gonna just peck you to death. It's gonna be awesome. We can fly real high and swoop in, and I can I can do that. But but some of you are like uh, the lamb. What about Jesus the tiger? Jesus the lion? Jesus the great big grizzly? Jesus the wolf? Jesus the why would he say the lamb? Because, see, in their culture, the reason that it was a lamb is because that's how they offered a lamb to sacrifice for the sins of the people and the community. 
And so when Jesus, when, when John said it's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, everybody was like, okay, cool, yeah, no, I get that. Well, that's, that's crazy. Lamb. I mean, they all knew it was in their culture, it was embedded into their culture that everybody knew what the lamb signified. So for us, there may be a little disconnection. So, so I came up with a few that, that kind of get you up to speed on this passage. Uh, one of the, the first one here is, um, look, uh, what about this? this? This right here, you see this on your phone. Uh, look, the notification that shows new life is available, okay? So, so we're just kind of getting get you a little modernized. You know, I'm not trying to take anything from the text. So some of you who have your degree in theology, uh, I'm not adding or taking away. I'm just making relevant. All right. Look, the notification that shows you life is available. What about this one? Look, look here comes the greatest upgrade ever. Okay. little upgrade. Come on. Some of you have an iPhone. You know what I'm talking about. As soon as you like your phone, they want you to upgrade it. And you put it off for like forever. And then your phone doesn't work. Uh, I did the same. Um, what about this one? Look, what about this next one? Look, the one who sent to produce, come on, what? An extreme makeover. Okay? I, it's funny how you don't even have to watch the show, but you know the show. Okay? It, it'll take out the old stuff, bring in the new stuff, make your living a whole lot happier. Um, this one's for all the younger crowd in, in the audience today. Uh, Look, the proactive application that removes the breakout of sin in our lives. Okay? Jesus is like proactive. Okay? And so I'm just kind of helping you with the whole analogy that, that it was John the Baptist that used the analogy of the lamb. So however, kind of you, whatever lane you run in. Um, but John was saying that Jesus was greater Jesus was greater. And it's crazy all that's going on in the world. You can't turn on the news or whatever media outlet you listen to. ISIS, Russia, Russia all the political stuff. And no matter what avenue of media you take in, everyone's talking about wars. We use the, the word war figuratively. We use it literally. We hear the word war thrown out when we talk about people up at Washington. Well, there's war in Washington with Congress and, and there's wars on the, in the streets of, of big cities. There's war on college campuses. You, you hear people talking now a speculation of wars with North Korea or Syria. However, there is one war that does not get a lot of coverage. There's one war that you probably won't hear about on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. And it's a spiritual war. It's a war for your soul. It's a war for your heart. It's a war, it's a war for your mind. And this war isn't fought with, fought with guns and bombs. It's a spiritual war. And you know what? The enemy is trying to come and destroy your mind and, and get you addicted and get you broken and get you lonely and get you isolated. This battle is fought every day. And the battlefield is four inches right here between your ears. And there's a real battle about who you are and your security and if you're good enough. And, and it doesn't matter how, how many times that... We all have been around. And, and this, this isn't a, a crazy concept, 
when you think about it. Well, maybe, maybe for you it is, but I grew up through the 80s, so, so we had great lessons taught by the Reverend Tom and Jerry. And, and, uh, and so uh, the Reverend Mickey Mouse taught us great things, and so there would be this cartoon, and the, in the cartoon you would have the angel and the demon. Come on, I mean, any old school people remember those cartoons? You know, quality where you could look at the cartoon and you knew it was something. Uh, <laughs> And you listen to it, you watch the cartoon, and in five minutes it wasn't totally annoying. Um, but, 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 but now it's like, you know, we, we, back in the day we had this light and darkness, this good angel and bad angel, and, and you know, Pluto's like, take the bone, and, and, and the good angel's like, no, Pluto, don't do that. And the, bad, and the bad angel's like, it doesn't matter. Take it. You know what I'm saying? And, and so the reality is we have all that happening to us every day. Come on. It's very easy to, uh, to want to know truth and then all of a sudden you're doing your taxes and you're like, can I add some more deductions? You know, it, and the light and darkness comes up on everything. It's a yellow light. Maybe the cameras aren't on for the red light. I'll just kind of go through it. You know, and all the time and everything that we do, there is these voices of trying to influence how we think and if we're going to be offended and who we're going to be mad at and what we're going to keep going on in, in the recesses of our soul. This war isn't fantasy like the Jedi. It isn't flashy like our special forces. But I'll tell you this, this battle is still going on every single day. Even though you may not physically see it, it's happening. And because of the resurrection that happened over 2,000 years ago, you need to understand that when Jesus exited the grave, it changed everything for us. And Jesus beat the enemy at his game and Jesus became, come on, greater. See, it wasn't just John the Baptist. There was another passage in Matthew chapter 3. I want you to see this. In Matthew chapter 3, uh, John said this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he is coming after me that's mightier than I. Mightier than I. We're going to go ahead and, and say the word greater, but he's mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. Now, I don't know if you did any athletics. I don't know if you did your chess game and talked a little smack, but, but I almost feel like John is trying to let people know this dude is so above me that I can't, I'm not even worthy to put on his shoes. He's greater. The enemy found out that Jesus was greater. And as we talk today, I want to show you just how great Jesus is. Luke chapter 24 verse 46 says this. This is Jesus talking. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. It was necessary. In other words, you know, a lot of people, we wear crosses and, and crosses for, for, for many across the world are a sign of hope, a sign of change, a sign of help. But in church, I almost feel like there's a culture now 
where church is more self-help than it is fixing the recesses of the soul that are broken so that people can thrive and be free. And there is one way to be free. And our world does not like the whole one-way model. We want many ways, alternate ways, whatever feels good with you, whatever, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's kind of narrow-minded to think that there's one way. We didn't come up with this. Here is what it says. Thus it was written and necessary for Christ to suffer and die from the dead and the third day, and that repentance and remission of all sins would be preached. This is the goal. This is why we assemble at church is because we're trying to preach repentance and remission. Let's talk about this. It's like now we, we want to have services and we want to give you all the benefits of what God will do in your life. But the reality is if there is no repentance and change and we don't turn away, then we'll come in and try to assimilate broken ideas into a holy message and we'll be frustrated that it doesn't work. My wife cooks. My wife can cook. And so there is, there is many times that she's very creative and wants to add and do. And I'm like, I, I, it's funny. I love new stuff. I love new clothes. I love new cars. I love new watches. I love new. But in, fo in my food, I don't want anything new. I want it just the way it was. The last time I ate it, don't change it. It was good the way it was. I don't want to try a new restaurant. I don't want to order something new. I want to get the same thing because I know I'll like it. I don't want to have an issue. And I'm like, oh, I should have got that. I don't want it that. Here's the thing. Is if we don't fully give the gospel, but only a portion of the gospel, then people will think it doesn't work because there was never this major change in their life and they thought that God coming into your life was to make you a better person when really God sending Jesus into your life was to redeem you from sin so that you could be free to be victorious. That's right. Does that make sense? And so it's very important for us to, to have repentance. To have repentance, to not mess up the recipe, to not think that you can cook this and add whatever you want into it and it makes something that you want. Repentance. Well, what is that? Repentance means to turn away. It means to change your mind. It means to change your heart. And listen, we've all experienced times where we tried to do it our own way. We tried to do it, you know, we, people said don't and we were like, <laughs> watch. We were adamant about doing it our way, only to find out that, guess what, it didn't work. It's more than a sorry, it's more than a, a, an acknowledgement of wrongdoing. It's a choice to make a change, and it's motivated, listen, by love, not by how bad you are. It's, it's motivated by love. Here's the next thing. It's funny, it says repentance and then remission. What is remission? Well, we have four kids, and if you come to my house, you will see probably different spots different places. That's because um, sometimes my kids don't know that, that plates are something that you should use and, and cups, the drink should stay in the cup. You know, and, and then if you walk and eat and drink, you know, I mean, we have this stain remover on lockdown. We buy it by the cases. <laughs> you understand? And so I remember one time my son, little, 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 little man, finds a Sharpie and begins to paint the inside of my car with Sharpie. And I'm like, 
Oh, Lord. <laughs> this ain't going to work. The reality is this. Remission means that God removes the stain of what the sin was. He blocks it out. In other words, so when you repent and turn, He changes all of this and makes it go away. <laughs> Rub down. You know, it's gone. It erases. It's no longer there. And so you're not carrying all the shame of what happened when you were 20 and what happened when you were 15 and what you did and how you didn't get caught, but you really all this happened. And so here's the thing. You can leave all that, repent and say, God, here I am. I ask forgiveness of my sins. I give this over to you. And then I turn and what Jesus does is he goes, whoosh, and you're done. You're not carrying it any longer. It's no longer attached to you. It's no longer a part of your, your, your life's resume. It's changed, and it's been changed. Stain remover, it eradicates the stain. And some of us, we've had an experience with God, but we never knew he took away the stain. And what I want you to know on this Resurrection Sunday is that Jesus beat it all. Jesus beat it all. I want to give you four lessons real quick from the resurrection. Four lessons from the resurrection that I want you to get. The Four lessons as we can learn and proving that Jesus is greater. Number one is shoddy people. Shady, shoddy people don't change God's plan okay oh we went shady it was shoddy it was shoddy now it's shady okay they changed it on me they didn't like my shoddy word I had shoddy on there first shady people don't change God's plan can we talk about this for a second can we talk about this because here's the deal there are some people shady evil there's some people that we feel like have victimized us and marginalized us and we are not able to get free or do what we want to do because of people in our life what I want you to see is Jesus shows us that while they're listen if Judas has someone in his tribe you're probably going to experience a Judas come on in your life. Think it not a strange thing if someone wants to sell you out. Don't think it a strange thing that if someone doesn't think that you're always good enough or on point. Don't think it a strange thing that every time you get to the family gathering, there's always that one cousin, there's always that one person that wants to start, come on, all the drama. You know, you know don't say their name. Don't say, don't say their name. They might be here. But the reality is, what you need to understand is, you're not limited to one person. Well, I, I, would, be, I would be okay if my boss was. Well, if, if, I, if my dad, well, if my mom, well, if I, if, well, if, if. You're not marginalized by anyone. Here's the thing. Jesus was sold out by Judas. Jesus was manipulated by the religious. Jesus was all of this. But guess what? He still rose. Your future is not contingent on the bad people that you've experienced in your life. And you've got to let them go. You've got to let them go. You've got to let some of that go. Because here's the thing. If you're trying to serve God, but you're bothered by people, you'll never be who God called you to be. Come on, somebody. You've got to move forward. And Jesus shows us by His, His movement out of the grave that nobody has the power 
to stop God's plan. Not your boss. Well, my boss just won't promote women. Well, my boss just, he, he just doesn't like me. Well, my boss, all I'm telling you is that the Bible says that your gifts and callings will make room for you and there will always be a door for you that will open. And here's the deal <laughs> that I can tell you is the problem is that we have promised everybody great days. And we, the church cannot make that promise. The church cannot, the, the reality is, I, 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 I dealt with uh, uh, someone from our church just this morning who had a very, very hard thing happen. Someone in their family lost a, a child swimming in an accident, crying, hurt. The problem is when the church promises everybody great days, I'm not promising great days, but I am promising you great results. And there's a difference. God will always win even though every day doesn't seem like a win. Because everyone thought that Jesus was down and out and gone, but the plan of God didn't alter one bit because God came to do what God came to do. And here's the day. I cannot promise you every day will be your best day, but I can promise you this, that if you don't turn away and if you repent the remission of your sins and if you follow God's plan for your life, your results will be great. Come on, somebody. Does this make sense? The second thing is this. His love is overwhelming. Things that we learn from the tomb. His love is overwhelming. And, and I know that Christians, and, and if you've been at church at all, you, it's synonymous with love, and we talk about love. But what? Let, let's put that on, on, on like some metrics. Let, let's dial down on that. What does that love look like? Because when, when people come up and they go, oh, I love you. You're like, I love you, dear. You're like, okay, how is that measured? Well, here's how Jesus measured it. He took that love to the cross, and I love in Luke chapter 23, verse 28. I want to turn there real quick. 23, verse 28. Jesus, now, I'm just going to walk you through what's just been happening. Jesus was removed from the garden. He, was, he had gone back and forth from, Herod, from Pilate to Herod, from Herod to Pilate. Neither one of them wanted to do anything because they couldn't find anything wrong with the man. In fact, Pilate says, this man is a great man. Why do you want to kill him? They go back and forth. Finally, there's such a revolt that, that Pilate says, I'll just take care of it. I'll just beat him. And, he go, and people are like, no, 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 no. We want you to crucify him. And, and, and uh, Pilate says, well, I'll give you, uh, I'm going to release a prisoner who do you want me to release? And they say, give us Barabbas, who was a murderer, and kill Jesus. And so here's what happens. They blindfold Jesus. They rip out his beard. They beat him so many times in the face that the Bible says that you could not even tell who he was. You couldn't even recognize him. They gave him lashes with this whip called the cat of nine tails. And it would be different fragments of metal in this whip. And they whipped him bare naked and, and, and as the, the whip would go in and catch it would rip the skin lash after lash so physically exhausted he is ready to walk this cross down the Villa Della Rosa and he cannot make it the whole way women and people are crying and they're following Jesus 
And in the middle of all of this, here is what he says. 28, And Jesus turned to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourself and weep for your children. Okay. I, I don't know what to tell you, but when I'm having a bad day, you know, don't text me. <laughs> I don't, you know what I'm just saying? You know, I'm, I'm going to encourage you on all the good days, but on the bad day, you know, I mean, there's just, and everybody has good days and everybody has a bad day. Well, pastor, you have a bad day. Let me tell you something. I'm gifted to speak it, but I'm not gifted to live it. I have to do it just like you do. And so let, let's just talk a little bit about this. Uh, but the reality is I, I, my blood gets hot too when people cut me off right here and I'm trying to get somewhere. Come on. And... and we talk about laying hands, and they're not the hands that are encouraging. Listen, as we walk through this, let's talk in the midst of brokenness. He responds with compassion and hears their cries and says, don't cry for me. Cry for yourself. I mean, I'm out weeding and I get nicked and I'm like, look at this. <laughs> you think it's going to be? You think it's that? What are you doing? You know, I, I mean, I'm like, cry for me. When I, work, I'm, when I work hard, I want her to come in and say, hey, you work so hard. I know. I know. I almost killed me. I mean, I'm, I want her to be like, oh, Jesus is bleeding out. Carrying a cross. And he says, don't cry for me. <laughs> what you need to know is this. His love for you was so crazy and so huge that it's overwhelming. Well, Stephen, that was like 2,000 years ago. How could he die for me then? He didn't even know me now because I wasn't even born yet. It's kind of weird. I remember thinking that as a child. And here's what I want to tell you. Is that all sin came through one man. And the salvation came through one man. And God did this spiritually so that the Bible says that he knew you from the beginning. And so when Jesus went to the cross and died for man, even the leaders could not find fault in Jesus. And they called him a good man who had no fault in other words, they were saying he was perfect. A perfect lamb, and it's in the Bible, both Herod, both Potiphar, both Herod and um, the other P guy, uh, was uh, Pilate, Pilate, thank y'all church. Uh, both of them, listen to this, both of them said on record, we can find nothing wrong with him. The accusations that you've made against him do not stand. Why did they have to say that on record? Because the world needed to know he was spotless. He was spotless. He died and paid and changed everything. His love is overwhelming. Number three, a fresh start. He gives a fresh start for, for a fresh start is available for us. I find it interesting that the whole body left the tomb. I'm sure you've probably thought about this, but why was it not just a spirit? Why was it a whole body? Why did, God, why did the whole body get up 
And, and we, 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 we can read in Scripture where Jesus came and after he showed himself to the disciples, he said, hey, man, y'all got any fish? And they started frying it up and fixing it up. And I don't know if they fried it, but I would have. Uh, <laughs> and, they, and Jesus ate fish, his body. Why, why, did, why wasn't just a spirit? Why body? Here's what you need to know is that God wanted everyone to know that no matter what the enemy tries to do, he can't keep any of it. He can't, the whole body left, the whole body. In other words, you're not going to get pieces of me along the journey of life when God restores you. Come on, somebody, he restores all of you. He delivers all of you. What, he was, Jesus, part of Jesus wasn't going to be a trophy for the enemy. God wanted it all out. God wanted it all free. And what I'm telling you is in your life, God wants to free not just a portion of you. He doesn't want to just clean you up. He doesn't want to just make you better. He wants all of you free to be who God's called you to be. There's a new start available for you. Today, your debt has been paid. Death could not hold him. Death could not hold him. Can I tell you that, that when people went to bed Friday night, they thought, we won. There have been times, come on, in this life that I've been very tempted to give up on people, but I have to go back to the tomb. There have been times when I've wanted to be done with people, but I've had to go back to the tomb. And here's what I have understood, is just because it looks bad doesn't mean it's over. Just because it looks bad, just because this issue looks bad, just because my finances look bad, just because this health report looks bad, just because of all, just because it looks bad, come on. And I wish I had somebody in this church who had understood those moments because I've understood those moments where it, just because it looks bad, don't judge me in this moment because guess what? I may be coming out of what I'm into. Don't judge me at this moment. Come on, there were some moments when I was 18, oh Lord. You, 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 you may not have liked me too much. Don't judge me in that moment because I'm coming out. I'm going to be what God has called me to be. There's a fresh start available for you today. The last one is this, number four, is that you're never alone. You're never alone. What does that mean, never alone? Jesus said that I am going to be with you. In other words, he said this, is that I am going to stick closer than a brother. I will never leave you, Jesus said, and I will never forsake you. Let, let's, let's look at this. When Jesus left, he didn't just leave. When, when Katie and I leave, we go traveling, and Ginger watches the kids. Ginger's Katie's mother-in-law. There are sometimes, mother, mother, my mother-in-law, her mother. <laughs> and, 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 and here's the thing, is what's funny is we leave things. Like, we leave information. We leave how to get a hold of us. We leave a couple dollars sometimes. Uh, we, 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 leave, we leave our home. We, we leave these things so that our kids can be taken care of. When Jesus left, he did not leave you an orphan. He did not leave you all by yourself. He didn't leave you to figure it all out. And how, how can I do this? Here's, here's some things that he left you. First of all, he left you the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit who is a gift. Then he left you gifts so that you could produce and you could win. Then he left you the Word and he left you how to pray. 
how to think and how to pray. He left your church, an institution that was set up to help encourage the believers to live. Because here's the deal. There are hard days. There are tough days. You may be in a season where right now you're in a tough day. But I want to tell you that you've got to make sure that you're not around people that amplify the issue. Someone's got to speak faith into your life. Someone's got to speak faith higher than how you feel in the present moment. He left you a church to build and edify and, and to win. He didn't leave you alone. You're not alone. God has a plan for your life. And your mess-ups don't make Jesus want to delete you from the spiritual Facebook. He wants you to be a part of this family. And He has done everything. And so right now, there are people here that, you know what? The Spirit of God draws all men unto Him. It's not my talking or my speaking or, or, or this worship or this building. All of this is just stuff. But the reality is you're not alone. And mama, dad, single, young man, you need to know something. That the enemy loves to isolate us and make us feel like there is nobody. There is no one. No one cares. Come on, have there been, ever been days in your life where you thought, no one really cares about me? No, I mean, I got a lot of people who say I love me, but nobody really cares. And here's what I want to tell you today. Jesus does. And he sent what you need to break strongholds, to renew your spirit, to find forgiveness, to find freedom, and to get focused because God doesn't want to... Check, check this out. Your best days are not going to be finding the cross. Your best days are going to be coming out of the tomb. Do you hear what I'm saying? So many people want to heroize Jesus, but because of his, what he did. And what he did was incredible. But that was the beginning of your life. That was the beginning of the mission where you don't have to be in bondage. So many people don't want to do anything for God because they're not perfect. Guess what? The cross covers that. Now move on and be what God's called you to be because there's a greater relationship than just being stuck at the cross. Let's get out of the tomb. Let's take our wounds and our scars. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, who could heal and raise dead to life, kept every one of his scars? Now, I would think, writing this story, that I would make it so epic that whatever the bad guys did to Jesus, Jesus would come out and go, <laughs> nothing. You can't touch me. You don't see me. You know, I, I just would think that, but, but that's not what happened. Wh why? Why? Because Jesus knew that he would encounter some people along the way that needed some proof of victory. Come on, somebody. And so your story, as painful as it is, there are people that need to know that you have wounds and have still made it out. You're still serving the Lord and God is still moving and He's taken what would kill you and He's made it a scar. 
Can I tell you that there's some beautiful scars? Well, why would you, Stephen, why would you say that a scar is beautiful? Because the fact that means that you survived. Jesus had Thomas come up. And Thomas said, I I have to touch it. And he said, go ahead. Changed his whole perspective on life. Listen, I know in church we try to act perfect. Yes, brother, (laughs) sister. Oh, doing great, doing great. You know why you're punching (laughs) whoever you're with? But here's what I want to tell you. Jesus said he'd never leave you or forsake you. He'll forgive you your sins. If you repent, remission will happen, and he'll take it all away. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Come on, read it with me. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's read it again until we, we get some group sing-along. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. God has a plan for your life. And on this Resurrection Sunday, you need to know the people in your life don't change God's plan. His love is overwhelming for you. There's a fresh start available for you today. And you are never alone. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at The House, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.